Welcome back to Force Material. This is the series where we explore some of the many stories at the intersection of four key pillars, that's sport, entertainment, lifestyle and culture. This podcast is brought to you by Force, which is a collection of social and content experiences, all designed to identify and unlock the areas where those four pillars collide. It's a collaboration between leaders in sport and sports business journal, for which we can thank our founding partners, Constellation Brands and GMR Marketing. Back in May, we launched our first major event experience in New York City, which is set to become an annual fixture. If you'd like to find out more, see how the week unfolded, and understand how you can join us next year, head over to our website, www.4-se.com, or check out at force underscore events on Twitter and Instagram. Many of our watch lists right now are dominated by sports documentaries, but there is another medium that we think can not only match those documentaries in the competition for most effective sports storytelling, but maybe even outdo them, or, at the very least, provide a novel alternative. If you're new to the podcast, my name's Jade Amies, I'm the producer, and in anime terms, I was born at the close of Sailor Moon and the start of Pokemon. So I somewhat grew up with anime, but it wasn't until Attack on Titan that I realised that anime wasn't just for kids. It could have morally ambiguous characters, jaw-dropping plot twists, heavily mature themes, and enough violence and gore too, back in 2013, fill the then Game of Thrones-shaped void in my heart. But we'll park the violence and gore for now, because in this episode we'll be talking about sports anime specifically. We'll discuss what exactly it is, what influence it's had on participation, and most of all, we'll be exploring how the genre not only uses every trick in the storytelling book, but utilises the creative freedom that the medium allows to amp up the visual and emotive impact. Now, there are some excellent sports documentaries, and they'll always be the go-to for sports fans and professionals who want all the facts and the history. But when it comes to storytelling, having to stick to a story that's already written can be creatively limiting, For that reason, there'll always be a place for sports fiction, and anime can go one step further, overcoming not only the limitations of having to stick to fact, but also the limitations that come with live action. It utilises a different form of artistry, that of animation, to recreate not only how the experiences of the protagonist would look and sound, but also how it would feel, and it does so through the power of visual storytelling without having to rely on narration or description. To help me find out more about the world of sports anime and what it can teach us about effective sports storytelling, I've enlisted two expert contributors. First is Raina Dennison, Professor of Film and Digital Arts at the University of Bristol, and second is Tatiana Taka, founder of Onivision, a brand consulting practice specialising in esports and in anime. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. The game is in a colossal arena, with spectators cheering fervently in support of their team and vocalising contemptuously for the side that opposes them. See, Karasuno have long been in a bitter rivalry with the other team, Shiratorizawa, for quite some time, and with the semi-finals of the Spring High Volleyball Tournament comes their climactic face-off. After a rocky start for our protagonist, Karasuno, with synchronised teamwork and steely resolve they succeed in closing the gap 
resulting in a 24-24 tie by the final set. The impassioned crowd are on the edge of their seats, and with the electric atmosphere comes a mounting pressure for the team, burdened by the knowledge that every point counts. Both teams play to their strengths, our protagonists with their strategy and synergy, and their opponents with their powerhouse playstyle, and both seem equal in skill and determination. But then, in a literal leap of faith, one player, Hinata, jumps almost impossibly high into the air, while his teammate precisely and trustfully launches the ball his way. In spite of the opposing team's daunting wall of blockers, Hinata performs a miraculous cross shot that lands perfectly inside the court. Thunderous cheers fill the arena as Karasuno emerges victorious. That was a scene from Haikyuu, an animated series about a young boy and his underdog story as he seeks to dominate the world of volleyball despite his physical disadvantage. Volleyball is not only fast-paced and sometimes hard to follow, but it's also not as widely broadcast worldwide as, say, soccer, certainly not here in the UK. And yet, Haikyuu has brought the sport to an entirely new audience, particularly in Japan where the 90-minute documentary We Became Strong Through Manga aired on the national broadcaster NHK and detailed the impact the series had on high school and professional athletes. At the Summer 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, the Haikyuu opening theme even played during Japan's men's volleyball game against Venezuela, where they claimed their first victory at the Olympics in 29 years. some of you listening, anime might feel quite niche, but it has a slew of celebrity fans from Ariana Grande to Quentin Tarantino, and from Megan Thee Stallion to Elon Musk. I love My Hero Academia. I love Attack on Titan. I like Soul Eater. That one was fire. Okay, man, I just, I watch a lot of anime, okay? Just so you know, that was Megan Thee Stallion, not Elon Musk. Here to demystify anime for the uninitiated is Dr. Raina Dennison. I'm Raina Dennison. I'm Professor of Film and Digital Arts at the University of Bristol here in the UK, where I mostly do research and write about animation from Japan, um, but all over the world as well. But I focus mainly on anime. So, Professor Dennison, what exactly is anime? So technically anime is any sort of popular Japanese animation that you would normally see on TV. There's great streaming platforms now like Crunchyroll and Funimation that do work making sure anime gets out to the rest of the world as well. But actually in Japan it's part of a much bigger media complex. So in Japan there's something called the media mix and anime usually start with manga. So there are weekly publications of manga in Japan where you get short stories that build up over time. And those are what's usually adapted from manga into anime. And we've had some massive franchises out of manga and anime over the past 50 years. Things that have, I mean, stories that have gone on for decades, literally decades, dozens of seasons of TV and dozens of films to go with them. So it's a huge, industry and, and a huge enterprise. But anime sits within that, I think, is a, a kind of special case for animation, literally because it covers everything. So anime is just animation from Japan, but it can be distinguished by its unique art style with diverse character designs and expressive facial animation and voice acting. Stylized motions and detailed backgrounds create an aesthetic appeal that isn't necessarily found in Western animation. 
Today, we're counting down our picks for the top 10 surprising celebrity anime fans. Who knew the A in A-lister stood for anime? Earlier, we listed a number of celebrities that enjoy anime, but that list also includes athletes such as Ronda Rousey and Usain Bolt. Zion Williamson of the New Orleans Pelicans even estimated that 80% of NBA players enjoy anime, of course including himself. What are your top five anime? Uh, number one is Naruto, uh, One Punch Man, Death Note, One Piece, I'll throw Dragon Ball Z in there. So what genre of anime could most appeal to athletes, or indeed anyone in the sports industry? That of course is sports anime. So as soon as anime starts to develop multiple genres uh, from the 1960s onwards, we start to see sports anime and manga, particularly manga being produced in that early period. So you have two big markets for manga and anime. One is shonen, which is for boys, and the other is shoujo, which is for girls. And sports uh, stories come in both forms. We see them coming through both of those big genres. And they are massive hits right from the get-go. So I think in terms of longevity, it's one of the, the longest standing genres is sports anime. Raina has already mentioned Crunchyroll and Funimation, which are specifically designed to stream anime worldwide. But more widely used platforms such as Netflix, Hulu and HBO Max have extensive anime collections. Netflix has even produced both original anime and live-action adaptations of popular Japanese anime, such as Fullmetal Alchemist, Bleach and Death Note. This has resulted in a far greater exposure to anime in the Western world and a boom in popularity across the globe. In fact, it's been reported that over half of Netflix's global viewers engaged with anime in 2021. Anime brings in big money. And I'm not just saying that. It brings in more than $20 billion a year globally. And yet to many of the Western audience, anime is often boiled down to just a cartoon. Heavy quotation marks there. So what would an anime expert say to somebody who suggests the genre is exclusively for children? I'm afraid they're wrong. <laughs> Um, while the shonen shoujo genres are kind of aimed at sort of young teenagers, the tween market, and a little bit older, there is manga and anime for everyone. Now, a lot of anime can of course appeal to children. The characters are often young and so relatable, and many series have built-in positive messages around teamwork and perseverance. For similar reasons, it can also appeal to teenagers, especially when the themes begin to focus around personal growth and self-discovery. But many series are targeted specifically towards adults. Some are designed to evoke nostalgia for those who grew up with the sport, but others explore deep emotional and psychological aspects, including societal pressures and balance of personal and professional lives, and can include some crushingly realistic depictions around dreams, ambition, and sacrifice. So I would say comparing anime genres is kind of like trying to define a demographic for Star Wars or for video games in general. You might have an idea of what that target audience is in your mind, but the reality is it's completely universal. Um, in the case of anime, especially in the West, there definitely is this powerful nostalgia, um, especially for folks who grew up with Dragon Ball, Yu Yu Hakusho, One Piece. But with new titles becoming increasingly popular and, and really like kind of culture defining 
you know, level of prevalency, it's really significantly impacted the Gen Z audiences as well. So you really are seeing anime kind of penetrate multi generations, you know, and you're really seeing that as well kind of impact the mainstream in the way that anime, for instance, you're just seeing them at malls, you're seeing them in a day to day world now. That voice there belonged to Tatiana Taka, who is something of an expert on anime and esports. I'm a consultant and advisor in the anime and gaming space. So essentially, I work with a variety of high-profile clients in their engagement in um, this subculture, whether that is influencer marketing, sponsorships and partnership initiatives, content development, etc. We've established that sports anime can appeal to a wide range of demographics, but why? What is it about sports anime that's so appealing? They really dramatize and break down each individual pass, each movement, each decision that's being made. And they also use that broken down gameplay to also tell deeper stories. You know, is that character growing and improving in this moment? Is he deepening his teamwork or focusing on his own victories? Are their actions resulting in a win or a loss that's gonna be looked at later? I also think a lot of these sports anime, they do a really good job of making each match feel important and a must win. You, you're kind of ingrained in that passion. It's, it's a very, in sports anime, it's a very all-encompassing thing. Their entire world is that sport. And you really feel that alongside them. They take you on that journey. Depending on the series, there are countless reasons somebody might look to anime for entertainment. It may be the inspirational characters, the motivating stories, or the intense and impeccably choreographed action sequences. Some even favour anime as entertainment over live action, and there's a number of reasons this could be. Anime is drawn, which means that the creators have the freedom to use stylistic flair to prioritise emotional realism over actual realism. Heightened colours and expressive animation can be utilised to, say, depict a character who feels they're running at the speed of light. Exaggerated sound effects can make the impact of a ball hitting a racket sound practically thunderous. Or we could even get visual metaphors. A character jumping in the air to reach a basket could see themselves jumping to the height of a mountain. Or a professional swimmer in an ordinary pool could be animated gliding through the sparkling blue as if in the most sublime oasis. I mean, one of the things animation does better than any other medium for my money is it can abstract motion. So if you want to really feel what it feels like for someone to get hit in the face with a volleyball or to hit a tennis ball across a court, animation can stretch out time and it can stretch out movements, giving them huge amounts of emotional resonance, but also huge amounts of impact and power. And I think that's part of the joy of animation is it's it's all about exaggerating and abstracting movement, which allows you to really feel like you're inside the sport and in those moments of high tension within sports dramas. Each sports anime is is highly stylized. Um, it's a it's a stylized, unique portrayal of the sports. So. It really captures your imagination because it does sprinkle a little bit of fantasy, a little bit of 
probably this isn't real, uh, you know, a really possible thing to do, you know, if I'm physically playing, but the anime makes me believe that something like that could be possible. Watching anime is a unique experience, and perhaps that's why so many Western media, whether the masses know it or not, are inspired by it. Some are obvious, such as the animated series Avatar The Last Airbender, but I'll give you a second to guess which blockbuster was inspired by the anime classic Princess Mononoke. Time's up. As confirmed by director James Cameron, it was actually the other Avatar, aka the highest grossing film of all time. Other venerated films such as Looper, Black Swan, Inception, The Matrix and The Lion King are all either heavily speculated or confirmed to have been inspired by works of anime. Here's actor-director Michael B. Jordan talking about how anime inspired the critically acclaimed Creed 3. You know, and yes, I wanted to take some creative swings because it's the, the ninth movie over the sagas. You know, you think about how many fights that we shot and how many, you know, boxing scenes and, you know, and punches. I had to lean on my, uh, my love of uh, Japanese animation and the themes of that to kind of make this one creatively and visually look different. So what does this mean for the sports audience? Well, it means that there's an entire audience of anime appreciators who value the art form from every age, culture and lifestyle. So anime can be a tool to increase participation in sport from those who might otherwise not partake. I think what defines a exceptional sports anime is their impact on culture. Um, Haikyuu essentially revived the popularity of volleyball among Japanese high schoolers. Slam Dunk popularized basketball in Japan among youth so much that the creator of the series was actually given a medal by the Japanese Basketball Society. The popularity of Captain Tsubasa, a soccer manga from the 1980s, directly led to the creation of the J-League, which was the first football league in Japan. Even major soccer pros like Messi and Zidane have uh, suggested that that manga was an inspiration for them becoming a pro player in the first place. And then you have moments like Japan beating Germany in the 2022 World Cup, which led to over 250% increase in Google searches of Blue Lock, um, one of the more uh, contemporary running soccer mangas. So manga continues to inspire culture, but simultaneously, culture is amplifying manga and anime. And with a loop like that, it's kind of impossible not to reach new audiences. So series like Haikyuu and Slam Dunk have inspired many who may otherwise have been uninterested in a sport to take that sport up. But what is it about sports anime that could spark this desire to participate? I mean, I would hope it's the the sense of camaraderie and teamwork that comes through, particularly in the the team-based sports manga, because it's it's often a really good example of friendship that we see in these in these manga and anime. I think that can be something that's inspiring, particularly in this post-pandemic moment. But, you know, in this moment we're all in right now, these sorts of stories of friendship on teams can help give people inspiration to reach out to others and join teams and become part of a wider circle themselves. And I think that's inspirational. I think as well, Seeing the action on a page or on a screen can be really inspiring to make you want to go out and do that kind of sport yourself. And the the fact that a lot of these anime and manga 
emphasize the hard work that goes into being good at a sport is really important too. So they don't set up this kind of miraculous, you'll be brilliant at it the first time you pick up a racket, or you'll be brilliant the first time you touch a baseball. They, they really do emphasize how much hard work goes into being good at a sport. And I think that is, an, is a really sensible and positive way to inspire people to join because there's then hopefully an expectation that practice is part of it. It's not just about those moments of high tension. So far, we've given you the basics on anime and its sports-centered subgenre. We've described its appeal, what it might have over live action, and outlined its impact on participation. After the break, we'll go one step further. We'll be back with Reina and Tatiana to explain why fictionalized sport content reigns supreme and why anime is not just good, but perhaps the greatest vehicle for sports storytelling. here's your quarterback all right you protect his blind side when you look at him you think of me how you have my back how you have his okay before the break when we spoke about emotional realism in anime what we were really discussing was the limitations of live action compared to animation but due to it being animated sports anime is almost always fictional or else is a fictionalization based on real events with the popularity of sports documentaries growing in recent years Fictionalized sport content doesn't always feel at the forefront. Now, there are of course similarities between sports fiction and sports documentaries. The subject matter will either be a sport, a sporting event, or an athlete. Thematically, either could explore the power of determination and the value of hard work, or even narratively, either could cover the underdog story or the road to success. What was the connection between you and Wrexham Football Club? We had no direct connection. It was just a feeling. What me and my dad thought was, because Wrexham's red, Deadpool's red. That's the real reason, sorry. <laughs> so what are the differences? Let's hear again from Raina Dennison from the University of Bristol. In general terms, you know, when you're, when you're fictionalizing something, you're focusing on the drama around, usually drama off the field or off the court as well as on the court. And certainly we see a lot of that in manga and anime where you'll see lots of conversations being held by teammates as they try and work through issues that are stopping them from succeeding in the game. Or you'll see, for example, people having to do loads of training, so characters doing loads of training to make sure they are prepared for their next sports event, whether it's tennis or ice skating, you know, and it's very diverse in terms of the sports being represented, but I think those kinds of tropes are things we see over and over again. The training montage, which comes straight from film and TV, that is, you know, fiction, film and TV. But we also see um, kind of more emotional and psychological discussions about how the pressures of sports impact on players. So let's look at the advantages. What might fictionalized sport content have over a documentary? I suppose the thing drama can do is it heightens the emotional impact of a story. So when you get that fictionalization of a sports event or you get a fictional sports event being represented, you're able to heighten those moments of tension. Will they, won't they win? Will your team succeed? 
Um, and you're also able to play up the kind of surrounding dramas as well, whether it's people's family lives or friendships or relationships. In fictional terms, there are techniques that are used to draw in wider audiences potentially. So with documentary, you're looking already to sell to people who have a fandom for that particular sport. With something that's more dramatized, you can draw in multiple different kinds of audiences, people interested in those background relationships as much as they're interested in the sport. We asked esports and anime consultant Tatiana Taka the same question. I'd say uh, deeper kind of characterization. I keep going back to that because if you look at the history of sports anime, especially looking at a series like Haikyuu, those are some of the most beloved characters in all of anime, genuinely. You know, so you're able to kind of enjoy these stories and get closer to the characters and and their relationships in a deeper way that um, sometimes you can't always achieve to such an extent with um, sports documentaries. If you've seen or read Haikyuu, then you know it's one of the greats. And now for the big question. Raina Dennison, what makes anime the absolute best vehicle for storytelling? I think in part, the thing that makes anime really impactful and unique is its ability to take what we already know and have experienced in everyday life and just amp it up to 11. So it's a wonderful way of kind of thinking through and exploring ideas using extremes, but also sometimes then being able to drop back from those extremes to more subtle, deeper moments of reflection. Those kinds of shifts in tone, I think, between, particularly in sports manga, between like a really tense moment of competition down to a more kind of reflective moment of self-doubt are really important in helping us think about how we respond ourselves in those moments of tension and stress or how we respond to the idea of having to compete or how we try to be ethical and moral in moments where it would be easy to cheat or to be you know on the wrong side of an equation so i think there's a really important you know ethical message that often comes through in these manga um some of them of course aren't about that at all they're just about joyous silliness and competition and exaggeration but i think when it's at its best what anime does is it it gives a heart and a soul to things that would otherwise just be statistics and numbers and you know and games. So it's it's a lovely way of combining those different modes of storytelling. While we spoke earlier about how sports anime has gotten anime fans into sport, it can also get sports fans into anime. Some shows are aimed specifically at existing fans of a particular sport, with attention paid to the technical aspects, intricacies and strategies. And then the dynamic visuals, the colourful characters and engaging storylines further enhance the viewer's appreciation of the sport. So for anyone listening who's a sports fan and hasn't yet watched anime, do our experts have any tips for getting started? I would say do your research, think about which sports you like the best and think about what kinds of drama you enjoy and invest in the, the anime that will fit those. I think as well, I would suggest if you're if you're trying to get into anime, sports anime for the first time, just have a look around at the kind of fandoms around these shows because there's there's a show for pretty much everything now. 
just dive in, honestly. There is a breadth of imagination, creativity, and inspiration across, again, all genres. Don't feel like you have to start with the series that have over 800 episodes. I know that can be daunting at first, and there are a lot of really, really great starter anime out there. And now, as most anime is originally in the Japanese language, time for a decision that's also been faced by anyone who watched Squid Game or Money Heist. Should those who don't speak the language opt for subtitles or a dubbed version? Subbed or dubbed, I honestly genuinely love both. I think they are both phenomenal mediums and ultimately it's due to the quality of, uh, of the sub and dub. Um, I recently had a baby. Um, and multitasking is really important for me or being able to occasionally look away from the screen. So dub has been quite crucial for me over the years. I grew up on it. I love sub for its, uh, I, I love the Japanese language. So honestly, I will always say you can't go wrong. In the case of a lot of these sports anime, they have phenomenal dub translations. So. You know, I would always recommend, especially if someone is new to the anime space, you know, sub versus dub is always a personal preference and don't let that stop you from engaging in the medium for the first time. I also asked Reina and Tatiana for their favorite sports anime and some recommendations for newbies. I'll always love Haikyuu the most. Uh, it has really captivating gameplay. The way it breaks down volleyball is, you know, to me, like genuine art. It perfectly balances that high stakes with hysterical comedy. And it's a mostly realistic portrayal of volleyball. So, you know, regardless of genre, I've always looked at Haikyuu as a near-perfect anime. I really liked Yuri on Ice. I thought it was a beautifully told, beautifully made show um, recently. But there are others that are, I mean, it's debatable whether they're sports or not. Things like Welcome to the Ballroom, which is about a motorcycle dance teacher, like a motorbiking dance teacher bringing someone into his studio. And there's a whole subgenre of those that I think are really fun where you have gang leaders who then become basketball stars or gang leaders who turn out to be beautiful ballroom dancers. You know, there are these wonderful kind of crossovers between the genres. And I do love those kinds of crossovers for sure. Again, I will always recommend Haikyuu as an option. Slam Dunk is absolutely phenomenal. Blue Lock is hysterically perfect. Um, so honestly, there's a lot of fun to be found. Um, so I, I highly encourage people to just jump in. So if you aren't already persuaded to add some sports anime to your watch lists, but you are looking for opportunities within that intersection between sport, entertainment, lifestyle, and culture, here's a final word from Tatiana. This is a mutual loop of inspiration and amplification. I, and I think that's why when we talk about cross-culture opportunities in sports, that's why people get so particularly excited. The anime space and the sports space, traditional sports, have so much in common and outside of some of these series hasn't always been fully explored or even acknowledged by traditional sports. So 
you know, I think like as Forts continues to look at uh, opportunities for cross culture, you know, obviously music being a big priority and events being a big priority, I think anime and manga has a significant role to play in that. So whether you watch through a popular streaming service like Netflix or a free anime-specific platform such as Crunchyroll, there is much inspiration to be found in the artistry within anime and the community around it. There's power in fiction, there's power in animation, and there's certainly as of yet untapped power in these cross-cultural opportunities. So that's why as a medium, anime isn't just good, it's amazing. You've been listening to Force Material. If that last pun didn't put you off entirely, please subscribe so that you can be notified of new episodes. Thank you so much to our guests this episode, Raina Dennison and Tatiana Taka, and also to Nikhil Sonmali for his help with my research. And with that, it's sayonara for me.